Welcome to the Teardown Show. So, David, when I saw the news this week about YouTube, mm-hmm. I immediately thought of you because it's in your backyard. It is in my backyard. In fact, uh, I am near YouTube a lot because uh, it is right next door to the gym that I go to. There is a sort of a you know a shopping center right next to YouTube, and that's where my gym is. And honestly, that day I was going to go to the gym, which I actually, by the way, went to just before this podcast. And I uh, got a message from Nextdoor because the cops are on Nextdoor and they send out an alert saying that there's activity going on down uh, on Cherry Street where YouTube is and to stay away. Police activity. And that's all I saw. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to the gym today. And then everything started to slowly roll out and I started seeing the public news about everything. And at first, I thought that the shooting was inside. It was by an employee. But then I found out it was outside. Again, it's an area I walk around all the time. And it's pretty darn scary that, you know, one of these stories comes close to home. I should also mention that my town of San Bruno has a gun store and an ammunition store just blocks away from where YouTube is. So there are guns in this town. And uh, who knows how many there are. But... um, uh, it was a little creepy and scary that I could have been in that area because I was planning to go there at the time it all happened. It's a little creepy. Yeah. I always say it's weird that YouTube was in San Bruno. Is that where they founded it? Yep. It was founded in San Bruno. Okay. So they left it. I mean, there are satellite offices all over the place, right, but the headquarters right, right. is still in San Bruno. Although they're growing it massively. So they... So they had one big headquarters and they built two buildings across the street. And then there's this enormous office park right behind there that must add a couple of hundred small to medium sized businesses there. I mean, it's humongous, this office park, multiple buildings. Google came in and bought the whole darn thing. They So more of YouTube is going to go there and Google and who knows what else, but tons of stuff is going to go in there. And uh, I'm sure this is going to raise the property values of San Bruno, which are raising pretty high as we speak. Um, but it's you know bad news for all these small to medium sized businesses that got evicted. You know, I don't know where they're going to go. I mean, there isn't a lot of office space in that area. There's tons though in downtown San Francisco. Yeah. The number of buildings in downtown San Francisco. Let's go to you- Oakland. Go to Oakland, right? Isn't that where all the uh- everything's everything's going up in price? It's not cheap. Not cheap to get office space. That's why more of these co-working spaces are are popping up. Well, it's not often that a a national news story is Mm -hmm. in your own backyard. So that was that was yeah, that was a little bizarre that that we got a national news story in our backyard. But I guess I think most people heard about does make a lot of national. Most people heard about the the reason why is apparently some crazy lady who was mad about the the YouTube policies around revenue. Well, she's just a nut. She sounds like a crazy well, person. She was. She totally sounds crazy. But by the way, this happens all the time with every platform that gives out revenue to yeah. its users. I mean, this. I mean, they constantly change it. And this is also the danger of building a business on top of somebody else's platform. If they make a change to it, you're you're out of luck. There's not much you can do. You're out of luck, but don't go shooting people. That's no, bad. that's a bad idea. That's crazy. 
That is true. So, uh, have you been to any of these, uh, stores, certainly now, um, Whole Foods, but like, I, in, in like 7-Eleven and also like my local grocery store that's totally unaffiliated with Whole Foods. I'm moving on to the news, the first story, by the way. That's fine. You Amazon started putting these pickup stations, these little pickup cubicles. Um, have you, have you ever seen any of those? What? No, but is the idea that you order something online and you go and pick it up somewhere? Yeah. So, and now that they, they, they started to move into Whole Foods where you can, you can order groceries to go and go get your stuff. Well, now, now Walmart's following suit. They're mm-hmm. putting what they're calling pickup towers in 500 stores. It's basically the same idea, right? So you order something um, and you, you just go. So you don't have to go through the drudgery of actually walking into the Walmart. Yeah, you can buy stuff online. And then you just walk into the front lobby of the Walmart and there's a little vending machine and you pay, get your stuff and go. And, and it's, it's just an actual of, machine. You get it from, you don't get it from a person. No, it's a little, it's a little machine. It's like a vending machine for boxes. Okay. Anyway, you're just, I think you're going to see more and more of these little kind of like automated. Well, it's, it's great for them that they don't have to do door to door delivery. If they just have yeah. literally 50 locations to send all their deliveries, right. that's amazing. I, and I, I think as a consumer, just having more choices, right? So like mm-hmm. I was driving home from lunch today and I drove by Amazon's fresh like drive-through pickup. And, and this idea of like the drive-through to pick up your groceries on the way home from work, if I was like one of those people who didn't work from home and I was always like on my racing home to make dinner, I would do this drive through pick up grocery stuff all the time because I think it's just it's a great idea. Shows. Yeah, the, the grocery store with the waiting in line and shopping yeah. stuff, it is. But you know, you know what the advantage is? Like, I'm sure when you go to the grocery store, 80 to 90% of what you purchase is the same thing you purchase every single yeah. time, right? Am I, I'm probably, maybe I'm a rarity, but I actually like going to grocery stores. Now. Do, are you, is that weird? Or do you like, no, no, to- I don't mind. Actually, I'm a, I'm a heavy podcast listener at a grocery store. I will put in my earbuds. And go through the grocery store. Um, so you're right. You're in the grocery store just listening to podcasts. Listen to podcasts and shopping. <laughs> yeah. I don't You've do never that. Tried that. I've never done that. May I, I suggest you try it. I might try it. I'm store. the drive and podcast and the walk the dog podcast guy. I'm not the I'm not the grocery shop podcast guy. But I drive. I exercise. Go to the grocery store. Walk. Well, I don't have a dog, but I do actually walk. And uh, getting ready in the morning sometimes, podcast consumer. All right. Cleaning. Oh, cleaning. That's another popular time to leave. I don't clean. Who cleans? Who cleans? <laughs> How does your house get cleaned? Does your wife do it? Do your I kids clean. do it? I pick up. I pick up. You pick up? Do you have a cleaning person that comes in on a Every two day? weeks we have someone that comes. Two weeks, that's pretty good. We do it closer to once a month. Our house doesn't get too horribly messed up. It's in pretty good shape. So why are Tyndall and Bumble fighting? And I don't even know They've what Bumble does. It. I don't even know what Bumble does. It must be a dating app. Bumble is a dating app. And the person who started it used to work at Tinder. And in fact, used to date one of the founders. Um Bumble was geared is a dating app more geared towards women giving uh, more empowering women to choose um, who, and they've been suing and counter suing each other back and forth. And um, most of Tinder's uh, attacks on Bumble are trademark infringement of which they uh, Bumble claims they are, you know, um, 
bogus in- intellectual property claims to wrongfully disparage the Bumble platform. That's their quote, their comment. Uh, Match owns Tinder. And now Tinder has come out with a a option, a feature, or it's about to come up with an option, a feature on Tinder that allows women to make the choice, not to allow men to choose them, but only they have the choice of picking men that they would like to connect with. So they would never get any incoming requests. It would only be them choosing. Or I think the the, the guys can still swipe right on them. I'm assuming the right is the correct way. Um, but the guy can't contact them, which is essentially the platform of Bumble. And Bumble's saying to you know, eventually these apps are just going to be like, they'll just like read your face and, and like, oh, this they could tell by your eyebrows, your expression, you you want to swipe right or swipe left. Like that's going to be what these apps are going to become. You know, our whole dating life existed. I mean, I did because when I got divorced, I did try to do online dating to zero success. Absolutely. In I did my not day. Have- in my day, dating apps were like meeting people in 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 real spaces. You met your wife in college, right? I met my wife like like probably before the internet. Most people use the internet. Like that's how old I am. Like in we met. Well, in, I am the same age as you. I we think we met in ninety. Well, if, for young listeners, just hold your breath. You're gonna you're gonna don't spit the coffee out. We met in uh, ninety two. Ninety two. Holy McMoley. Yeah. Well, we've been married since 95, so 20. But where did you meet your wife? Uh, we met – wow, we're going into – this is the Mike episode. No, uh, we met at a uh, on a 21 run. Did you ever go on a 21 run? One of these things where you – when your friends turns drinking age, you head out to the bars. So you met her at a bar. <laughs> but it was with uh with mutual groups of friends, right? So we all we both well, went to the same something this is something we have in common. I met my wife in a bar as well. We both went to the same college and we're both in the same friends groups. So we mm-hmm. all met as a, a party, but I just hadn't met her before. Ah. Yeah. And what was your line? <laughs> I don't think I had a line. I didn't have a game. You didn't uh, have any game? No, no game. How did you get your first date with your wife? And what was your first date with? Your I wife? think we went. Um, I think we went out to a place called the Red Door, which if people go, if people are familiar with like old Seattle, it's a it's an it's a bar in Seattle. It's an old bar in Seattle. It, it was a lunch date. It was like a lunch date. Yeah. So you thought where better to take my young, attractive, <laughs> well, this this woman you just met, she's not your wife. Well, but no, this so we young, went to- attractive woman. Uh. Where else to take her than the oldest place in the city? So uh, SPU, Seattle Pacific University, where I went to college, like the Red Door is like a hangout. So like we both went to that college and we just went to So that. you were hoping to run into friends <laughs> yeah. there to kind of beef up your ego yes, to yes. make you look like a hotshot. I needed that. Did the you ego. run into any friends? Uh, we didn't. That actually didn't happen to me, but it happened to a friend of mine. I saw a friend who was on a date. I was with another friend and I saw a friend who was on a date and we went and we interrupted their date. And it turns out that our interrupting them on their date, she loved that and it really sealed the deal. They ended up getting married, but years later got divorced. But I was told that that, that, that definitely worked. <laughs> so you met her in a bar in what is called a 21 run. I've never heard of this thing. Were you... Blitzkrieg drunk, or was she Blitzkrieg drunk? No, I don't, neither of us were. How how much can you hold down in terms of alcohol? You're really interrogating me. Um, I am. 
not as much now that I'm older. Like I don't drink that much. So what was uh, the most you could could hold down and still be standing? And how how often have you been drunk in your life? I don't have answers to all these questions. I, I don't know. I don't know. But as I've gotten older, I certainly you don't drink that much. It's harder to drink. So, well, I want to know in your prime how good you were. I don't have those answers. I was no, never that good. It was never Mike, you're a disappointment to me, and <laughs> more importantly, more importantly, Mike, to you were a disappointment to our listeners. I've never been a huge drinker. So no, I, I haven't either. I've never been a huge drinker at all. But so the irony is, neither one of us is a huge drinker. Yet we met our yeah. respective wives yeah. in bars. Well, I think I think when you're you're in your early to mid twenties, at least I was. I mean, that's kind of a a pretty common place to be on a Friday Saturday night. So. <laughs> Um, nowadays kids meet, I bet, I wonder how many kids like, and how many people like in their twenties are meeting their future spouses via like Tinder or Bumble. I bet it's happening a lot. Oh, it's a huge percentage. I I know that Harmony, I can't remember what it was, but Harmony claimed some ludicrously high percentage, like two to 5% of all marriages in the, in the country happened on, were connected through eHarmony.com. These kids though, I mean, they don't know how they're rock and roll music. How easy it is. Like you like use an app to. To date people? Like, how easy well, is that? Like, that's well, like that, lazy. That's, that's, I have mentioned this before. You remember the old saying, well, you're not going to meet anyone just sitting at home doing yeah, nothing. Yeah, now you can. Now, that's right? quite the opposite. Exactly. You will actually meet more people sitting at home <laughs> than you will if you go I mean, out. Listen, I have to admit, if I was like back, if they had this back in the early 90s, I would just sat there and swipe left and swipe right. Swipe, I mean, it would uh, be easy. Well, the problem also is because of this, what it seems like this ever abundance of of prospects, nobody puts any merit on any one. Yeah. And so therefore, eh, this doesn't go well. You know, there's literally hundreds there's more. Literally the just like, there's an app for, for more people. There's an app where I'll just keep swiping until yeah. I find the one it's I want. Endless. It's it endless. It is truly an endless stream. Yeah, nobody puts any stock in, in anything anymore. Speaking of online networks uh hold on speaking of by the way that is the weakest segue you've done on this show continue because that's all we talk about on this show go on is what we talk about what i would say 95 percent of the time we're talking about some kind of an online network (laughs) well we we all know that twitter is just infested with bots i mean half of donald trump's followers are probably like fake followers and apparently uh, this is a huge number. Like, Twitter has suspended one million accounts that are related to terrorism since 2015. That seems like a, a mind-boggling number. Like, that's a, a lot. million. Is pretty a million's a big number. Like, you wouldn't think that many are somehow. That's more than the population of San Francisco. Now, granted, some are probably just like retweeting things that are like suspect or whatever. But like, that still seems like a big number to me. It seems and is a large number. <laughs> Facebook's also been been uh, suspending accounts as well. But it's like playing whack-a-mole. You know, like it, it just happens all the time. Have you suspended your Facebook account yet? Have you, have you quit Facebook? No, I have not. Have you, given, have you given a thought? No, I haven't given it any thought. But I have been far less active on Facebook because, being that I've been far more active on LinkedIn as of yet. So that right. is a do it um so this i thought was interesting google employees were involved in an artificial intelligence project with uh for drones for the military 
that they were not happy with. And so they penned an open letter saying, hey, we don't want to work on this. And so here I'm going to see uh, thousands of Google employees. I'm reading from the article, including dozens of senior engineers, have signed a letter protesting the company's involvement in a Pentagon program that uses artificial intelligence to interpret video imagery and could be used to improve the targeting of drone strikes. Okay, so it's not specifically for drones, but improving uh, video imagery could be used for drone targeting. They said, we believe Google should not be in the business of war, not ever build warfare technology. Well, the problem is so much of our technology can be used for illicit gain. So to draw the line on just better video imaging, how does that specifically war technology? But they are complaining regardless. They are complaining. Yes. Well, I mean, so have you ever, let me ask you, have you ever done any work on a project that you thought was a little ethically dubious? Hmm. No, because I've never really worked. I don't think so. I mean, you've never had a, had a, uh, a product that you're like, I don't think this is good. I don't think people should be using this. Not that I can remember now. I've worked on products that, not that ethically dubious, I just like, eh, I don't think it's the greatest. I mean, you've never had a situation like that? Not that I can remember, no. Yeah. I have, but then again, I wasn't really shilling the product at all. I was just sort of creating content for the company, you know? There was no me shilling the product at all, so there wasn't yeah. Yeah. any of that element for that matter. Uh, but then I did work, although I did never worked on this account, I did work in an ad agency that had... Uh, Tobacco accounts. This goes back. How'd you feel about that? I didn't ever work on the tobacco accounts ever. I wasn't involved in them at all. So I didn't care. But this also goes back to a time and this, this will give you an idea how old I am as well. I worked in an office where people smoked in the office and a lot of it had to do with the fact that we had the tobacco accounts. And the part that was really unnerving was there was a woman who sat right outside my office who was pregnant and smoked. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a weird time. I remember, this is how old I am. I remember flying. So do you remember working in an office where there was smoking? No, so I, I remember, this is how old I am. I remember flying to Europe on a plane where people were smoking. Oh, yeah. I I, I have I have vivid memories. The smoking section was always like the last two Isn't to three. Isn't that weird? Like for, it's mind-boggling. I imagine for younger people, right? Even for me to think about, like, people are smoking on a plane, that's just a crazy thought. Well, here's the thing. Like, I think the only place I actually saw someone smoking in a restaurant was in Las Vegas, where it's still allowed. I'm assuming Seattle, they don't allow it. No. They don't stopped years ago in San Francisco. Years ago. Um, but I remember just, it was actually, I think, during CES, and this was years ago, I was just looking, a friend, a friend of mine was just smoking in a restaurant, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, this is just bizarre to look at. Yeah. Because I've never, I haven't seen this in years. And I'm sure many of our listeners live in states or countries where uh, smoking in restaurants is common and not frowned upon. But uh, pretty, for health reasons, it's pretty it's uncommon in the U.S. now, I think. I don't even know where it's still allowed. I have no I mean, idea. Besides Vegas, I don't know. I don't know. Do you remember the last time? Were you in Vegas and saw someone do it? Oh, I mean. I'm sure, sure. I mean, I actually, I, I like about there was a time once a year I would smoke a cigar, and the last time I smoked a cigar was maybe three, four years ago, and it was in a casino in Vegas. 
Makes sense. There you go. Makes Where sense. else do you do it? Hey, when's the last time you got a traffic ticket? That is a good question. I got two right in a row that aggravated me beyond belief. And I actually, and it was like a year ago, and I got very unnerved by it. But I did hire a uh, lawyer to get rid of them. And he, they did get rid of them. Nice. Was, well, that next time you get that, that next time you did it. Well, next time you get one and you want to hire a lawyer, you can hire possibly a bot. Apparently, mm-hmm. bots, computers are starting to fight tickets for people. We so, did a story about this a while ago. I remember bringing this up. I think it was some British guy who came up with something that allowed you to do that. But this sounds different. What is this story? So, yeah, there's three. There's three of them. One ca- called Do Not Pay. Another one's called Win It. And another one called Turbo Pill. All these services that are technology-powered services that allow you to fight minor t- minor illegal things like tickets or property taxes. So, clearly, you know, we're kind of early stages of this. We're not, we're not like, going to do like a, a, a big court battle with a bot, but like the very kind of low level administrative type of ticket stuff, like they actually have services for you to fight. Mm-hmm. So how does this work? I, I get the ticket and I just sort of feed in all the information and then it just, and I pay them some fee and they go to it. And do they provide any kind of guarantee that my ticket will be uh, overturned? Well, I don't know. I don't. I've never. I've never done it, but I don't think. I doubt they guarantee it. But I'm sure. I actually got a guarantee from my lawyer. Actually, I had truly hands down the most minor moving violation. I did one of these like double stops at a stop sign, and I got the police officer to. So, I mean, I was going unbelievable. I did a double stop, but I was going. I was going really, really slow. He goes, "Yeah, I, I indicated you were going less than five miles an hour." I'm like. So why are we getting a ticket? Yeah. <laughs> so I got out of that one. Were you were you arguing with officer? No, I took the ticket, but I said, but I said, I said to him. He goes, "You you did a double stop there," and I go, "But you did indicate that I stopped, right?" Yes, and I wrote down that you were going less than five miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. That was it. What are twice Facebook and Twitter scanning for? So here's something I didn't know that happened. So say you and I are in a chat on, on the Facebook. You and I do the instant messenger chat. It's usually about whether we're going to still keep to our time of recording yeah, the show. Yeah. But let's say you said, hey, David, I got something really inappropriate I want to send you. And you sent me something that could be deemed illegal. Okay. That could be flagged by the Facebook people. Let's just say you did that because I know the kind of guy you are. You may do something like that. Sure. I'm just, I'm telling our audience that that's the kind of thing that that Michael Wolf would do. Well, if Facebook and Twitter does this as well, or no, no, I don't know if Twitter does this uh, or in the same way, because Twitter is all public, although except for DMs. But if, if you do that and they see it, then they start reading our messages so if they flag something, they don't like it. Now they have access to our whole discussion hmm. because we may be talking about the inappropriate content and we may be plotting something horrific. Who knows? So next time you choose to, I don't know, send child pornography via <laughs> via Facebook Messenger, Michael, think twice. Hey, did you see that Um, there's like some controversy that broke today that uh, – uh, Zuckerberg's messages have been 
deleted or unsended or something that and Facebook is creating his an messages? Un- his personal messages his personal messages and apparently they say it's part of like a larger feature that Facebook is adding an unsend feature which is different than what Gmail unsend is. I don't know if you use Gmail unsend or you send something, you have a minute to unsend it. But this yeah, is- yeah, I know about that. It's not really an unsend. It's just a, a delay tactic because some of us go, oh, I, oh God, we've all done that before. Well, that is technically an unsend feature. Like you send it and you have a minute to unsend it. You, you hit, you stop. You, or well, it's better, never actually been sent. It's called stop send. It's probably a stop send. Stop feature. send, not unsend. Once it's sent, it's sent. Yeah. But, but I love that feature. I've saved good. myself so many like embarrassing mistakes with the stop send feature. Give me an idea of an embarrassing mistake you've you've saved yourself uh, with stop. Oh, uh, just like the wrong name, like hey hey David, when I meant to say hey Mark, like like those things are embarrassing. They are embarrassing. What is worse? Okay, here's a good question. Accidentally sending on a hey Mark instead of a hey David, whatever, in an email message, or Walking into a public restaurant with your fly unzipped. If you had to choose one or the other. Walking into a public restroom? Restaurant. Restaurant. Well, all restaurants are public. Walk into a restaurant with your fly unzipped. You have to choose one. You accidentally send the wrong name to a person via email or you walk into a restaurant with your fly unzipped. Uh, Probably the restaurant because I might be wearing a jacket and it probably is just like people have their zippers on. The thing with the fly-in zip, you don't see anything. It's just a zipper down. That's all it is. And even if you could see, you would just see the underwear. Big deal. I don't think I've ever seen anyone's underwear at their fly-down. So that's that's a a rare. You'd have to be pretty. (laughs) So you'll take the fly-in zip instead of the the inappropriate name. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. If I have to choose. Let me me, me add to this. The fly stays unzipped for two hours. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if I'm sitting for dinner two hours, I'll just stay dinner for two hours. That's fine. Right. Do you know that I went to an interview and I realized after I walked out of the interview that my fly was at Zip for the whole interview? What were you sitting? Were you standing I'm talking? Standing. To- no, I was standing and sitting, standing and sitting. And then <laughs> I got a call back for the interview. And when I, when I realized it, I guess they want to see more. Um, <laughs> but I actually got that job. Well, congratulations. So they, maybe they, maybe that helped. I actually have exciting work news that I thought would be appropriate to share for the with the audience. All right, what is that? I'm working with our uh, our my old boss and a, an old former guest on the show, Jim Lauterbach. So, you, if you know, Jim is the CEO of VidCon. VidCon recently got bought by Viacom. You're familiar with what VidCon is? Yep. It's this big conference, trade show, expo on. Um, on all things video, it's where all the YouTube celebrities go, and there are thousands of fans yep. come, and they they uh, they swarm. Well, I they have a whole sponsor track at the conference, and I will be uh, running that whole co- uh, running that whole track at the conference. Nice. So people who are like they they're good, they're getting paid for placement. Uh, I will uh, be um, I will be sort of handling them, and uh, ho- and I'll be hosting the whole track too, for that matter. So it's a fun gig. Looking forward to it. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Hey, so you're not a big wearable fan, right? I wear a watch and I have a Fitbit 
thing. Oh, so you do. Which I now use a Fitbit. I use a, a different company called Stir. And here's my only complaint on the Stir. It is not as um, – it's far more conservative on the number of steps it says that I'm going as my Fitbit did. My Fitbit is a far far more liberal than my Stir device. So you just device. want step inflation. You want you – want I would step inflation. The, today I went to the gym. You know why I went to the gym? I looked down at my Stir, not Fitbit, my Stir, S-T-Y-R, and I noticed I had 450 steps for the day and it was 2 o'clock. That's like the – it's like the – wearable equivalent of like you ever go get jeans at like a store and these jeans i just bought a pair of jeans and like you, you know you normally wear like a size 34 or 30 you wear 34 i wear like 32 holy crap you're you're a skinny man well, i wear a 36 well well normally what i'm saying is like there's some stores like I think Old Navy's like this where you know you normally wear a 34, but you can wear a 32 at Old Navy, so they make you feel good about yourself because like they're really they're <laughs> their sizes are off. Like, well, I have to wear the 36, the loose fit too, because I got a big big tuchus. Do you know big, what tuchus is? Yeah, I think so. What is it? <laughs> it's but what, but in, in what language? In Yiddish. Very good. Oh, I'm, I'm proud I, of you. There. I'm gonna bring up an early show. Uh, <laughs> we, we talk about you know your heritage, you know your your of Jewish descent. I, 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 say, I don't speak Yiddish. I just know yeah, a handful of words. Have you watched the Goldbergs? This, I have not. This that, is that, a this is a great show. I just discovered it with my daughter. It's fantastic. It's funny. I know Jeff Garland does. Uh, Jeff voice Garland's the dad. He's a dad. Yeah, um, but Oswald does voiceover on it. Yeah, yeah, he? yeah. I, uh, it's an early media recommendation. Like this, this show, I'd, I'd heard it's funny, but I started watching it. It's just really, really funny. So yeah, well, you had it in your media recommendation. You're bringing it up now. Great. Well, I will, I will, you know what? I can record it on my YouTube TV. I, I love the YouTube TV. I don't have the YouTube TV, but uh, I'm a big fan. Anyway, back to wearable. So, uh, there's a new wearable from MIT researchers that actually apparently can read your mind to a certain extent. So you can actually, it can actually recognize about 20 or so words just by muscles or things moving in your face. How? I don't see how that's possible. With 92% accuracy. That is not possible. Hey, it says so. I mean, I haven't tried it, I, I but apparently that's what the researchers say. I mean, we no one will know until we try it, but it's actually kind of scary that 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 that's kind of a possibility even. Well, I, I'm a little creeped we'll out mark, about we'll the mark fact David that down is creeped out and doubtful. I, I am doubtful that that's possible. I, I don't see how I could read my, you know what I mean? That has like when you go to see a, a palm reader, if you want to believe it's true, it's true. Do you want to believe that the MIT researchers did this? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it's one of those like kind of like, hokey things were like it says it's reading your mind but you have to nod your head really aggressively for yes <laughs> shake your head for no it's reading your mind no it's just recognizing these accentuated years ago at a, at a wired event i saw they had some things set up where you could play pong with your mind oh jeez and honestly i think people were just flexing their muscles in their head on the, 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 i don't see how else it could be done you have muscles in your head to flex well, sort of, yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, do you have any cryptocurrency? I asked you this before when we talked about this. I wondered if you've broken down and you bought some cryptocurrency. 
Uh, I think I, I'm doing like a, I just thought I'd experiment. So I'm doing like a hundred dollars a, a week investment in some cryptocurrencies. So you are, did you've done it already? Oh I, yeah. About a month ago. I just started like a kind of a time. Uh, I mean, not buying a bunch. Are you, are you in the black or in the red since you put your hundred dollars in? I haven't even checked yet. I got to go check. Ask me next right. episode. I will ask you the next episode. Well, be careful which cryptocurrency you uh, go with because if it's a small batch or it's a small cryptocurrency, it can be hacked with something known as a 51% attack. And that means the 51% refers to that the hacker must capture the majority of the mining power of the cryptocurrency. Uh, as you know, the the... These are mined on uh, devices, these cryptocurrencies. And the fact also there's a ledger of all these cryptocurrencies um, in every computer that's doing the mining. And uh, these hackers stole not a huge amount, I think $20,000, but it's debatable actually how much they stole. Now, this probably would not happen with Bitcoin given just how much money is in it. It would be extraordinarily difficult to capture 51% of the uh, the mining power. But uh, for other cryptocurrencies, especially new ICOs, initial coin offerings, it seems that this is very, very possible. So be forewarned, Michael Wolf and our listeners. I am forewarned. I will keep an eye out. I will not make I'll make sure I don't lose all my money. By the way, did you see George Soros? You know who George Soros is, right? He's like he's one of the most successful all time, you know, hedge fund guys. I know uh, super of, rich political activist, pretty liberal yeah. guy, but he he made a lot of money in financial markets. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a story that we I had down, but he's actually apparently going to start investing in bit in in cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of interesting. Well, if you got money to burn, exactly. why not give it a whirl? All right, we're Doesn't to hurt. we're to the near end of the show. We are till the near end of the show. Let's wrap this sucker up. Let me thank our listeners. You know who you are. If you actually hear my voice. You're a listener. Congratulations. Uh, do tweet at us at, at DSpark or at Michael Wolf. You can email us at teardownshow at gmail.com. In fact, this week, the inbox was empty. We don't like to see empty inboxes. Do we, Michael? No. We like a full inbox full of your input. We would like to see that. Uh, please leave a review if you have not already. I know you haven't because we only have a very few number of reviews, and yet we have much larger listener audience than that. Uh, and you can find us at teardownshow.com. We're part of the Podcast One and the Technology.fm network. Michael, let's get to our media recommendations. One of them you already said, the Goldbergs. Yep. I'm going to set it up on my YouTube TV. The next one is one I want to take my kids to. Do you recommend it for my kids? Yeah, so Isle of Dogs. If you like Wes Anderson, which I, I do like, so certain – like. I, I have to say, we talked about this. One of my all-time favorite movies is Rushmore. I think you like Rushmore too. Rushmore is a great film. So Wes it's been Anderson. Years since I, seen I mean, I, I mean, we all, again. we all. I think it's easy to admit now that Wes Anderson is pretty much a cinematic genius. He has his own style. Um, but this is his second. This is his second animated feature. First one was uh, the Fabulous Mr. Fox or whatever it's called. Oh yes, I remember yep. that one. And uh, if you remember that, you know how unique visually his animated movies are, and this one is just amazing. Isle of Dogs is just you're well, watching I saw the previews. For you're watching you just you're just kind of looking at going. This is so unique visually, and then it just has his kind of obviously unique directing and kind of writing style. So I'd definitely highly recommend it. My daughter liked it too, so she's 13. So it's definitely good for kids. 
So my, my, do you believe my seven and my four-year-old would like it? I think they'd like it just because it's visually amazing as an animated movie. I mean, there might, mm-hmm. and, and there's just, you know, at a high level, I, I mean, they, it's kind of a fairly complicated plot. It's definitely a little more complicated than like a, a Pixar movie, but I think mm-hmm. they'd probably be fine watching it. All right. If, you know, it's possible that, uh, he, he the, my kids are actually with grandpa and grandma right now. So it's possible they, uh, have already seen it with, if, with grandma and grandpa, but who knows? I don't know. Um, I actually saw a movie. I didn't put it down here. Uh, wonder if you've seen it. Oh, I think you did. Have you seen Ready Player One yet? I did see it. So what did you think? I liked it. Um, you've read the book. It, it's, it's fast. It detour, it detours from the book. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay with it. Here's my one, though, critical comment of a detour it took from the book that I thought was that was a huge mistake and they shouldn't have done. One of the things that was great about the book was that our lead character was like a savant on the 80s culture and became a savant in playing these 80s video games. You get no sense of that from the movie. None whatsoever. Yeah. I mean... And they that added they like, added things like the the race at the beginning was not even in the book. Like there's just a lot of things they did, which yeah. again, I mean, if you, I'm not one of those people that just gets mad when a a movie departs from a book because oh, I, I, I don't mind either. But I thought that was kind of critical. The yeah. fact that he was a savant. I mean, do you even get that sense he's a savant in yeah, the I movie? Mean, I, when you when you change the character so much, like it's a different, completely character. I I kind of see that's where you start to have you know you can that's a. That's a valid complaint. Like, I feel like the same thing with like Jack Reacher movies uh, versus the books. Like, I don't know if you ever read any Jack. I Reacher. never read the books. I've seen the movie. I saw one of the movies. So, like, the first one. I mean, the problem I, <laughs> the problem with that is just I, I, the main problem with that is, you know, Tom Cruise is like five foot two and Jack Reacher in the book, like, was as part of the essence of the character is like a six foot five giant. <laughs> and then really? you have, <laughs> have Tom Cruise, like, he's kind of a midget playing him, which is, was kind of ridiculous. So. Well, I I very much like – first of all, you talk about the visual of Isle of Dogs. The visual in Ready Player One was astounding. That must be by, – by the way, that's one of the things I truly, truly love because, you know, when you're reading the book Ready Player One, you have this sort of the imagery of what the, the oasis looks like. And I thought the way that they created in the movie was spectacular. I was very impressed with it. And it wasn't – and actually it wasn't too – because you could have made it way too confusing that the viewer couldn't absorb it. And I felt they made it in a way that was not too confusing that the viewer could absorb it. But I think it was critical that they presented the lead character as a savant because that, because the battle between him and the, the sort of this corporation that's trying to win uh, is more understandable of a battle, you know, even with all our talent, we still can't beat this kid who is a savant and in the movie, you don't get he's a survivor. He's just some other kid who just got lucky more is what you see. I do think the actor who played the main character was kind of boring. Like, he's just kind of a boring. It, well, it, it, again, you need someone who's survived. Like, this is my main fear. I, I, what did I say? I saw something, an article, like over like 1,300 people were auditioned or who tried out for the Han Solo character in the new Solo movie. And I'm thinking, I mean, first of all, talk about pressure on the actor. Yeah. But still, I mean, whoever does this has to come out of the gates blaring with charisma like Harrison Ford did. I mean, he was all charisma on screen. And, you know, they they had one character in the last couple of movies that 
had maybe a third of the charisma of a Harrison Ford, but not, not really. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's a lot of pressure on an actor, but regardless, I mean, if you casted that many people, you hopefully you found the person who can pull it off on the screen. Yeah. The kid was, eh. yeah, he was just, eh. they, they had to make, that was the main complaint. The kid was not a savant. All right. So, so this next one, I have you, one of the recommendations, the next recommendation, like you just got to the show. I watched a little bit of a while ago. Like I watched the first episode of we'll go to a while ago and now I'm starting to absorb it, go through the, the show. And it is Ozark, the one with uh, Jason Bateman on it, who also, I believe directs and produces it as well. Um, it's great. I mean, I did you, have you watched the whole series already? Yeah. Well, I, I binged it. I mean, I probably watched it over a two week to three week period. So it was good. It is good. Ten episodes. I really like the visual of this very – anytime a movie is, chooses a um, a visual style that's consistent through the whole film, and this has this dark blue hue through the whole movie, yeah. movie me, show, it's fabulous. It's I funny because when I first read it, you know, people called it like, oh, a kind of okay, lesser uh, – Breaking Bad. Like I, I, I hate when people do like they try to say, "Oh, compare it instantly to Don't another." Don't compare it to Breaking Bad. At yeah, all. it's like Not, unique on its own, and I totally feel like I feel own. like I just find Jason Bateman really watchable. Like I like he's such a likable guy, but he, he's also a pretty good actor. I mean, he is par- a great actor. Partly because I've been, if you like me, you've grown up in America. And you probably started watching him on Silver Spoons. <laughs> I mean, I was just about to say that. Right. I thought he peaked on Silver Spoons. So, and then, and then he had this amazing kind of adult comeback on. Uh, oh, what, what's the show? I'm just blanking on like the the famous um, the show where he, like he ran his dad's company. Like, oh, uh, the Arrested Development. Yeah, so like Arrested Development was like a classic. Like he it's was great very in that. funny, and so like he's good in this too. He's pretty- although I didn't, you know, I started to listen. I started to watch Arrested Development when they brought it to Netflix. And because they didn't have Ron Howard doing the narration, they had somebody else. It seemed so off. Yeah. Like completely you need his off. voice. Like it's. Yeah. It was very unnerving not to have Ron Howard doing the narration. I, in fact, I, I think I lasted maybe an episode. It was like, I can't take this. No. It was just, it seems so wrong not to have him. That's yeah. Anyways, did you watch the whole series on Netflix? I just sampled it. I mean, I didn't watch it because I, yeah. I, that's I part of the reason why. That. I had a problem. By the way, I I can't recommend. So I was a huge fan of Jessica Jones. Did you watch Jessica Jones? No. So the first season of Jessica Jones is fabulous. I cannot recommend it high, more highly. I believe I've mentioned it on this show before. It is spectacular. Watch the first season, Jessica Jones. You can skip the second season. All right. I, it's good. But after you've seen the first season, it's tepid in comparison. So I recommend the first season is spectacular. It's great. And the second season of Luke Cage, which is an offshoot of the first season of Jessica Jones is coming out, I believe in June. All right. All right. We want to supersize this episode. Thank you, audience. Bye everyone. Bye.